adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rete This Way, a culture podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Syria and European soccer. My name is Michael D'Angelo, and of course, as always with us, we have Paolo Nobaloni, Mangoni. Welcome back, everyone. We've got Mr. Chris Baselli. Hello, everybody. And we've got Julian Padre D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? And shit, course, Julian. Shit, yeah, Julian. Shit, oh my God. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, yeah. We have Mambo number five, though, as our, uh, the Italian Mambo number five as our intro song. Basically, he's talking <laughs> about Adriana. He's talking about her, her cousin, I think. I heard Katarina uh, at some point. <laughs> yeah, did you know what that song is about? Is that he can't find anyone to, to spend time with. That's the problem. I see. I yeah. see. Because he's always on the phone looking for someone to call. Maybe he, if he looked inward. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Spend some time by yourself, you freak. Yeah, is that what we all did over the past 18 months? That's what we've all done, and that's what we should continue to do in perpetuity because we're who better than ourselves to get us through just this, I guess, the pandemic in general. But just why do we need other people, guys? We don't need other people. We, we have podcasts to listen to. Is that correct? That's correct. But, like, you no... have your friends that rate it this way. You don't need anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> people, people who need people. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, yeah. So uh, we, yeah. W- w- why is everyone frustrated? What's what's going on in the world of uh, culture these days here? Well, it's cold. You know, it's cold outside. It's cold. A, B, A, B, and C. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on where you live, but yeah, in here, here it's cold, very cold. But um, uh, they still haven't released uh, the uh, the VAR audio, Michael. That's that's another reason why I'm pissed off. You know, that's, uh, they haven't. They have. They have not. No. It's did you talk. request? Did you request a? Uh, what's that? What's the thing you can put in a thing for? You can. You that can thing, zoom. you know. No, well, <laughs> Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, they, I thought they have that in Italy, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, today, there was, um, on Monday, the referee, Italian referee designator, Gianluca Rocchi, was talking about how it was, quote-unquote, his idea to have, um, to have the audio became, to be made public during... Uh, VAR reviews and uh, wait, that know. was your idea. <laughs> no, it, well, not, not, actually, it wasn't our idea, Michael. It was actually the uh, Rugby Federation. They're the ones that um, you know made the innovative uh, move to, to 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 broadcast 
uh, I'm not sure if it's in the stadium, but at least as Chris pointed out uh, a lot a couple weeks ago on the television uh, broadcast that you can actually hear what's going on uh, during their official reviews. Yeah, so in some of the ones I saw, I, I feel like it was a an Australian league, so it wasn't international play. I'm pretty sure it was an Australian league uh, rugby uh, again, where it was broadcasted in the stadium. Um, but I don't think they do an international play. But either way, but I I, I do know that they have. Uh, I remember watching some rugby World Cup games, and I do know that they have uh, some, at least on the TV uh, broadcast, they do have the uh, the audio between the booth and and the referee because i think the referee doesn't actually look at uh the screen it's the the booth the booth looks at it and then tells the referee what's going on right so just to help contextualize this is is what they were doing chris like you know how in the nhl or the nfl whatever they just go and blast on the mic uh blah 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 you know a penalty on this whatever is that effectively what it was, or was it literally just like the audio of people talking to VAR, effectively? Uh, so what I saw, it was the the camera obviously obviously is on the ref, and then it's it's the conversation with him in the booth. The okay. booth is telling him or her what they see from their different camera angles. The ref will then kind of relay what they saw in live time. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they disagree, but mm-hmm. uh, you get to hear that discussion. So sometimes there is a disagreement from what the booth says and sees to what the referee saw, but um, at least you can kind of hear that discussion and hear the referee explain their final decision. So that's the part I liked was you, you kind of got to hear the thought process and see the explanation versus what we see in Serie A and you know, other leagues, which is just they go to the camera and then they either point to the penalty spot or, or not. Yeah, and meanwhile, again, if we're watching TV or watching the game, rather, it's just like nothing until, you know, we're, the guys are talking, looking at the different angles that they have until, you know, magically the ref comes up with some sort of solution or whatever, some sort of answer, whereas, you know, you're actually privy to that conversation in this instance. Exactly. So what's interesting is that uh, seems like the Italian Referee Association was doing some some damage control uh, during the international break. I, I, caught, I managed to catch some of the Libertadores Sportiva uh, last night, mm-hmm. and um, you know th- they were talking about this exact thing and saying that refs um, shouldn't should explain, not justify. Like, I mean, I don't know what's the difference between that in the sense that uh, you know an explanation in theory could also be a justification of the decision that they took, you know, in, in terms of Mareska's case, you know, they were saying that, Oh, you know, everyone knows that he made a mistake. He should just explain, you know, his thought process and not justify why he made that decision. Well, I think that's, I think that's, that's what it is, right? You're, they're asking them to say, this is how I came to that as opposed to, it's right, like, them trying to argue for it and say, like, I did this because of, you know, uh, because I saw this or whatever. Like, the, it's literally just should give us the facts. It's like telling telling them, here's here's the ingredients, instead of saying, okay, well, I made you an apple pie. That makes mm. sense. So but the, the problem is, is where, uh, you know, the, the, pres- the, the, the Italian Referee Association president couldn't really um, hold water in the sense that when they lined up the uh, the – the problem cases that we had over the past three weeks. So we've talked mm-hmm. about the, the Dumfries penalty, uh, the, the penalty on Ibanez, and then 
the Pellegrini one. So uh, obviously the main point was, well, uh, as we discussed in the podcast, you gave a penalty for on Dumfries, but you didn't give a penalty on Kyer, who was essentially the same foul. Mm-hmm. So that's where the audio, what I think will clear up some things. And, and to me, that's where you should be justifying saying, well, where was the consistency on those calls? I mean, like if one, why is one a foul and the other one isn't? That's, that's, that's where the justification should come in, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think it, it's, I, I understand what they're saying though when they're saying, I, I, I think I understand rather what they're saying when they want like explanation versus justification. They literally just want, these are our facts. These are the facts of the matter. This is what it is, not I'm trying to justify why I made my call. Because again, if when it, whenever you're justifying something, you're, you're bringing your own emotion into it, whereas it shouldn't be. It should be effectively emotionless, right? It should just be a matter of fact, this is why it was this. Yeah, I mean, in theory, I agree, but my, uh, Michael, but I, in practice, I don't know if it's feasible in doing so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That, that's the problem. Uh, well, uh, again, I, I don't know how many times we're going to talk about this because this is uh, like... <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, I think we're going to talk about it until uh, they come up with, until, number one, until the auto comes out. I think, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's, that's the main problem because we can't hear the thought process from the booth review to the referee because let's again let's take uh Mareska again in in that game why did the booth review uh call him to look at the Ibanez challenge didn't so the VAR referee the VAR saw that Ibanez got the ball how can the ref look at how can Mareska look at and say the same pictures that we saw of Ibanez getting the ball and say yeah that's a penalty that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not denying. I'm not yeah. uh, arguing that. Julian, I kind of want to hear your take on it. It's, I mean, it's like Michael said, right? They're going to be more explanations, not necessarily justifications. I don't know if it'll change too much, especially right off the bat. Um, but I do kind of like the fact that they're going to be held a little bit more accountable. Yeah, and I think they should be, right? Like it's, yeah. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully, it, it is something that just develops. And and again, it, you'd want them to be, especially since they were. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were they not like the first major league? Uh, I guess in Europe to kind of take on VAR. I think so. Yeah. So if you're leading that, you should be leading in how to make this better. I remember during. I think it was wasn't it the World Cup that they introduced it as well, and and basically the Italian referees were kind of like. Uh, leading, I guess, that charge as well, right? Because they had used it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think they were the um, they were uh, the VAR refs for most games. Yeah, right. And yeah, also, so... there was an Italian referee who was the FIFA designated, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Which is Colina, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was. I think so. But in any case, again, they they should if <laughs> you know they have an opportunity here is what I'm getting at to really be those drivers of you know innovation which is mm. hilarious um <laughs> just considering again where uh the structure of this league and paul let's move on it's a good segue into kind of what else happened this week mm. so yeah the, today um i saw a headline from calcio finanza that uh, uh the english premier league will 
collect 2 billion euros, either euros or pounds. It doesn't really matter at this point because it's still a lot, of, lot more money. A lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Just in TV rights in the United States for their next, uh, next Jesus um, Christ. Uh, three-year contract, three or four-year contract. And when uh, Swiss Ramble, a great account on, uh, on Twitter, talking about uh, European accounts for, uh, for football, talked about how the Serie A TV rights will actually lose money, like will, <laughs> will actually fall in value over the next three years compared to their previous cycle. So <laughs> when, when, the, when, when PIF, the, uh, the spokeswoman for PIF, comes out and says, well, we were interested in Milan and Inter. Just define, define, though, who PIF is, just for the, so the people the who don't pub, know. The Saudi Public Investment Fund. So they're the ones that bought Newcastle. There you go. So I think the spokeswoman's name is Amanda Stavely. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, and she stated that uh, they were looking at Milan and Inter, but quote and I quote: "Syria is a structural mess." And then, for some reason, could have kept this, could have kept them out <laughs> their mouth shut, could not say anything, would have let it blown over. Everyone would have, would have forgot about it. No, it comes out, and this is the Syria uh, president comes out and says that they didn't want to buy a Formula One car. They were more interested in buying a utilitarian car, an SUV, they said, uh, Del Pino said. So, okay, so we made the comparison. I, just just yeah. right off the bat, though, I just want to yeah. say it's so funny that he says this. I mean, obviously, again, you'll get into it as well, but I yeah. just want to point out that, you know, let's just take, it, take him for his word here. You know, they didn't want to buy an F1 car, but... Realistically, the Italian F1 car is a Ferrari, which is absolute garbage now. It's just so yes. funny that he made that comment because it's it's <laughs> it's literally inviting criticism, even in his best case scenario right now. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I actually didn't think about it in that sense, Michael, as well, because Mercedes Mercedes is actually dominating the field, of course, and Red Bull, and so. so <laughs> You know, it's just it's just shocking. He could have just kept his mouth shut. No one would have talked about it. But then you look at you look at the facts. We brought up the facts on on Twitter, Michael, and Sheffield United. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He pulled the receipts here. Pulled, I pulled the receipts here. <laughs> that finished last, finished twentieth in the in the English Premier League, received ninety million pounds. That's a hundred million euros, give or take. Okay, just for finishing last. As the example that I put off, because we're talking about cars, so I, like I said, I would rather choose, because I have common sense and at least financial, some financial uh, <laughs> knowledge, more than more than Dalpino. But yet he's running a, a league that's worth billion uh, billion euros. Again, some 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 people are not always privileged, and you're telling me that you would rather choose a Formula One car that could win a total of twenty five million euros, which is what Inter won. Last season for winning the Serie A, okay. Yeah. When a car, that utilitarian car that gets in an accident gets written off is worth four to five times more just by being relegated. So if Newcastle falls into the English Championship next season, they will still collect ninety million pounds. Yep. Sorry, uh, how much did Inter get for winning? Uh, 25 million. 25 million euros, yeah. yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. 
So when when Stavely says that Syria is a structural mess, this is exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, it's and, and she's not wrong. No, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and I, I don't think any of us were surprised that she said that. And if, if anything, I'm happy she said it because that somebody outside of, you know, the, the Sedia circle comes out and says that. I think it makes people outside of Sedia kind of stand up and look and say, "Oh, okay, it really is in bad shape." And then maybe it forces people, you would hope, inside Sedia to actually look at themselves and say, "Okay, maybe we are doing something wrong." But obviously. By the sounds of these quotes, it sounds like they just took it personally and are now just trying to throw insults back at her. But they're they're the problem, right? Okay, so let let's take the two uh, topics that Del Pino uh, brought, up. brought up: the the scheduling and uh, the financial situation of Syria. He got he got destroyed on both. Got destroyed on both. So the scheduling. Uh, uh, sorry, absolutely took him to the cleaners. Okay, when he talked about how uh, you should have at least, I think it was seven two hours uh, between games, which lots of, you know, I'm not lots of biggest fan on the show, but uh, at least I agree with that in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, they didn't get the seventy two hours that that they that they deserve. Sorry, was right, and then tried to combat, tried to back talk uh, a spokeswoman who's essentially running uh, an an English club now worth uh, you know three and a half billion euros or whatever how much they're uh, they're worth now because since they bought them Uh, with with the four it was 400 billion euros whatever 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 how much they're worth the PIF is worth I mean it's quite shocking the 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 lack of self-awareness is is absurd. Uh, it, it, they're living in, in a fantasy land. And it's but it's just, just funny par to for watch. the course. It's just par for the course. That is true. Like, it, it's never been different than this. Like, I, I agree with this wholeheartedly. Like, you're right. It's, it's the self-awareness, right? There's literally none. The fact that he says, you know, if they prefer New- Newcastle over Milan or Inter, uh, then they like SUVs over Formula One. Like, you're literally, like... <laughs> You're digging your own grave here. You you are just so far up your own ass mm-hmm. that you can't even understand that your product is so undervalued that it gets looked over. Yeah, and 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 it's, it's it gets looked over because there's no of... money there. There's literally no money to be made. That's why. That's why there there no one is interested. And all these other lead or all these other, uh, I guess, uh, teams are, you know, going under or need, need financial support. It's because, you know, it, there's no money to be made in this league. That's why a team like, I mean, the, we know why the super league teams want to do what they want to do because again, they're, they're falling apart. There's, there's nothing to support them. Yeah. And they have to rely on the Italian government, uh, for financial support, which as we and, all know, <laughs> yeah, as, as we all know, the Italian government is not, uh, you know, is not is not a a source of stable financial support. <laughs> yeah. Then you throw in the fact that teams are trying to build their own stadiums, and the cities yeah. are saying no. Yeah, like it, it's. Again, Inter Milan have been trying to build a new stadium literally for I think ten years now, and it's literally just 
roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And I, and I would say it's it is, politics. Though, the city's going to be involved in it and still get their cut. Like, it's yeah. absolutely insane. I would say it's politics, but it's literally just, like, uh, shithousery, really. It's, it's you, you don't know how to oh, that um, is politics, run yeah. your own hen house. <laughs> well, yeah. it, and, and to that, it's, it's also, well, you know what, let's use the word corruption. Because, you know, they had a chance, and I also blame Agnelli because, you know, uh, you're you're essentially the richest club in, in, in Italy. Uh, you don't want uh, the league itself to sell um, the owner's equity to a hedge fund, which will reduce your power and influence in said league. The mistake, what, what has happened for the, what should have been done for the, for the good of the league is to sell the owners, the part of their owner's equity to the hedge funds because they, those people are experts, rightly or wrongly, okay, de- depending on, on your views, rightly or wrongly, in making money. Yeah. So when okay. she said, so when she, when we're, when we're thinking, Mike, when she yeah. says that Syria has a structural mess, is because there are no persons there at the top of the power structure in Syria with any financial knowledge or, or, any financial knowledge able to make the league profitable. That's yeah. what she means. Yeah, it's and it's true. But what, what I'll say just to, again, fully contextualize what he said as well, is, you know, he, he's saying that uh, when you invest in, like, a team or when you buy a team, whatever, you, you're looking at the potential of the market as well. And he was saying that in Italian football that there is a lot of potential there. And I agree with that. I, I do agree with that, but that's because they've it's been so poorly managed up to date that now at this point again there is full it's full potential and he says it's up to us to pull that potential out. Okay, well why haven't you? Why are you? What? Why did you like pull this like rights deal? You know what I mean? Like why did you do all these things that don't make any business sense? Uh, if if that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to build a billion dollar enterprise you're not you're literally just just i i think going by the you know flying by as as best as you can without actually doing anything you hit it spot on michael that that's the problem they have no strategic plan at least according to us as the fans the way we see it we don't see no strategic plan at least in the premier league we see okay they have uh, major American networks on board, mm-hmm. either NBC or ESPN. Doesn't really matter. In England, they have their they they sell their product to multiple multiple keyword multiple networks in England: Sky Sports and British uh, and BT Sports. Now, in Italy, they gave them a, no, a, a monopoly to Dazen. Okay, <laughs> and. Mid season, mid season, they said, "Well, we're we're gonna take away the right to have multiple accounts or multiple uh, users on the account." Mid season. <laughs> I, I mean, I, and then and then then you have then obviously you, you have um, Lapo Elkin, which is the anyway, what part of the Elkin family, come out and say, "Well, what's the purpose of doing that when we're trying to get rid of piracy?" 
and then you have government officials, par- parliamentarians, saying that they're, that they're going to looking to call him up in front of a committee to to, to discuss. Forty eight hours later, they had to backtrack and saying, "Oh, we're not going to do anything in mid season." Then why? <laughs> then why bring it up? Yeah. Why bring it up in the first place? Uh, and, and I'll answer my own question: Is because <laughs> they gave him a monopoly on TV rights in Italy. Yeah, there, there's no strategery here. I think that's the bottom line. There's strategery. No, there's no strategery. Word of the day. <laughs> strategery. Ding. Oh God! Listen, I, I we can talk. We can talk literally forever. Again, I think the the main points to take out of this is that they uh, are trying to claim that uh, I don't know, maybe that they they have a plan to bring Italian football into the future, and and I, I just don't see that. And I, I think they're they're trying to hit back at their critics when instead they should be taking in those criticisms and and flipping them on its head in a actionable sense. But we'll see where it goes from here. Again, they have, uh, if, if they're so sure about the potential of the league, then show us and show investors who want to put that money into the league. Um, let's move on, because we talked about this probably for about half an hour already. <laughs> um, I guess, why don't we, uh, we had obviously no City A this week. So Ooh. let's just, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, we're in international break. You know, there was uh, some important games and we'll get to those as well, but let's just uh, finish off maybe with some Serie A just to kind of bookend it here. So going into the weekend, um, there's some uh, big fixtures coming up. So we got uh, Lazio, excuse me, Juventus Lazio. And on... that's on Saturday, I think. Yes. Saturday. And then uh, Inter Napoli on Sunday. I believe that's the noon game, Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, yeah, both both games are at noon Eastern Standard, not not uh, Eastern European time. Eastern. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. It's right. Central European time now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so six o'clock Central European time. There right, 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 right. Finally got it right after three weeks. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for Juventus, uh, just some Juventus news quickly. Uh, the ball is going to be touch and go because he picked up an injury uh, with Argentina. Uh, Bentancourt, whatever value that he has, uh, he's most likely going to be out as well. And so that's uh, that's the Juventus side. Uh, I think Marusic picked up COVID on, on the break as well. Immobile most likely will miss the game as well. And that's from what I know so far. Grande. Uh, what about uh, Inter side of things? Um, so they play, they're at home to Napoli this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is, uh, I don't know, the European time, but it's at yeah, noon it's our noon. time. Yeah, yeah, six. Um, so it's plus six hours effectively. Yeah. Um, so Inter, they are home, uh, but they announced today that De Bruyne picked up a knock with uh, the Netherlands squad. So he's out for the next two games. Um, so that means one of either Ranocchia or D'Ambrosio will be starting. So I don't <laughs> like that matchup going up to Seaman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens. Then there was also Messino who came out uh, speaking to one of the papers in Uruguay, I believe, saying he was unhappy with his playing time. Um, so I don't know if that means he's gone in January. I don't think any Inter fan would be too devastated if he left, but yeah. 
there's always there's always a spot at Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So is money in the banana stand. <laughs> I mean, advantage Napoli in my opinion, obviously, because your best defender, uh, one of your best defenders, is out injured. Uh, Napoli has the best attack in Serie A. So on paper, so far, we'll see. Uh, we still got you know five days before that. You know Advanced. what though, yeah. the best the best offense in Serie A, I think, is actually Inter though. Yeah, is it? They have most goals. The, yeah, they have like thirty goals almost. I think. Yeah. Really, I didn't know that. Well, anyway, okay, so fine. Napoli has the best goal difference. There you go. They have, yeah, they, <laughs> they exactly. I'll give you that. Right. So, and I, I, I still think that uh, Napoli right now has the edge. If I were a betting man, which I am. <laughs> Chris, any Milan news? Uh, well, I mean, it looks like Calabria got a potential knock there against uh, Switzerland. So we'll see if he suits up on the weekend against Fiorentina. Um, yeah, Fiorentina is a tricky one. I think they're, as we've talked about before, they're, they're kind of pushing for top seven. Um so, yeah, we'll see. Vlaovic is obviously that name that most clubs are talking about. So I'm curious to see how he can do against Milan. Hopefully not this that well this weekend, but <laughs> it should be an entertaining game. Uh, yeah, and he's then... picking up a lot of a lot of steam on, obviously, the transfer talk. But again, we'll, we'll should we save that for if any actual news comes out of it? Because obviously, to this point, it's just hearsay, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll wait until our transfer rumor segment start up in, in December. But uh, as of right now, it's it's mostly Tottenham that has the edge because of mm-hmm. the money from the English Premier League. Um, First you, know. you get the money, then you exactly. get the lavage. Yeah, <laughs> which is going to be 75 million euros. So more, more than what what uh, he could have he went uh, to Atletico Madrid for in the summer. Well, so, but uh, to wrap up uh, Fiorentina, uh, I think uh, the Fiorentina official Twitter account posted a video of Nico Gonzalez training. Um, as we know, he had COVID for at least three weeks, so he could be in line to play against Milan as well after inter- after the international break. See, yeah. Okay, well. Uh... Why don't we uh, move on then to the international break? It's a good time to segue over. So we've already kind of discussed, uh, Chris said, mentioned uh, Calabria and uh, being involved in the Switzerland-Italy game, which was obviously an important matchup um, on was a Friday of last week. Uh, they also had an important matchup on Monday, but I guess we'll start with uh, what they needed to do effectively is they needed to keep pace with Switzerland um, because they had the better of the goal differential, I believe, right? Um, yeah, they were plus two, basically, over Switzerland. Plus two going into the weekend. And uh, so they either needed to, again, hold off Switzerland or win out, basically, to kind of just secure first place so that they didn't have to go into qualifiers. So what happened in the game against Switzerland on Friday? Anybody okay. who wants to take it? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll feel it. So, um Switzerland scored um, early on in the first half. Uh, it was um, essentially they gained the box, uh, sent uh, a nice pass to Whitmer, who was outside the box, and un- unleashed a very powerful shot uh, that uh, fooled Donnarumma, even though you know he was kind of in line with the shot uh, in terms of his save, excuse me, di- uh, dive. And uh, 
you know, early Switzerland lead. And then Italy tied it up. Uh, it was just before halftime, I believe. Uh, it was a free kick. Uh, Di Lorenzo got there for, before Bernucci, who I believe was in an offside position, but Di Lorenzo wasn't. Uh, got his head on it before Jan Summer came out and uh, took a you know punch in the face for his uh, his bravery in getting the tying goal. And then uh, some some devastating devastating uh, moment for you know Italy and its fans. Jorginho missed <laughs> in missed, the, uh, in stoppages effectively. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, it was in the last uh, last minute of the game. Shocking uh, penalty. Yes, uh, r- reminiscent of Badger in the final. And um, <laughs> but to, yeah. we should mention too, though. I think was the was it a penalty? In the first place, it was. He yeah. pushed him from behind. Didn't play the ball. It was. A, it was. He dropped his shoulder in his back, and he. And it's a penalty. If he played the ball, if he was, you know, in line with, uh, with his shoulder, and you know, there is a valid attempt to to play the ball. Sure, I can say that it'd be a questionable a questionable penalty. But if you look at the replay. Uh, the defender came in from behind, dropped his shoulder, and knocked him down. That's a penalty in my book. Okay, Krulian. So either of you, <laughs> do you guys agree? Julie, I thought go. it was soft. Like I, I don't know. Like it seemed like Berardi went down a little too easy for my liking. He was looking for it 100. percent As soon as he felt contact, he just fell over. Right. Um, but again, as Paul said, the defender didn't really make a play on the ball. So I, it could go either way. I thought it was a little soft, though. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think the important part there is that Berardi was definitely looking for it, but there there was contact, whether you want to call it a hard push or not, it was there. So I think the referee has to call it. But uh, just back to Jorginho, I'm pretty sure, is that his second or third PK third. that he's missed? It was third, eh? Okay. Third so consecutive, that's, yeah. That's obviously significant. Obviously, when we I – mean, I know we're going to fast forward to the – Bulgaria game from today, but yeah, that's significant. So uh, the hope is going forward that somebody else is, is taking those. I don't know who is next on the list, but obviously it can't be Jorginho. Anybody? No. Anybody? Anybody? Bonucci. Give it to Bonucci. I was going to say, <laughs> didn't he actually score during one of the shootouts? He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Chris, I'm glad you mentioned Bulgaria. Uh, uh, I'm we- not. Uh, no, well, I, I want to point it out because, uh, you know, I, I kept saying, I think I said last week as well, that Bulgaria result at home, 1-1 at, uh, in Florence will come down to be the deciding factor in this group. And fast forward to Monday today against Northern yes. Ireland. So so let's, again, just pre give some context to here so again so the game ends 1-1 right mm-hmm. in uh, against uh, switzerland, switzerland so yeah. so they're they're tied on points um now switzerland in the meantime take on bulgaria and they, they played bulgaria and what they needed to do is is again either win and score goals win and yeah basically win and score goals to effectively take first place um and italy the same they needed to win and score at least one if they you know really wanted to to maintain pace of being first realistically unless Switzerland kind of went out and scored a lot. But again, what happened? Nothing. <laughs> a whole <laughs> lot of nothing. 
I don't know, but okay. To to add more context to Julian's nothing, it was a whole <laughs> bunch of fucking Bonucci playing long balls to Insigne, who is five foot five, <laughs> and couldn't hold on to the ball. We all knew Northern Ireland was going to defend with a, ten men behind the ball. That was their game plan. Mancini said before the game, saying, "We'll break down Northern Ireland by playing balls through the middle." Then, if you're going to do that, if your plan was to put Bonucci as your regista, then you have to play in. You have, you have to play a striker that has physicality, that can win balls, that can bring them down, and to to get midfielders into the game. You're not going to do that by sending long balls to Insigne, which is then shuffled out to the wing, which the, then then forces Bar- uh, Barella. Uh, actually, it was Barella because he was the only one that was creating offense from midfield to to get into the box and to have shots on net. The plan didn't work. They then when when in the second half when they knew that Switzerland scored that they needed to score goals. They brought on Bellotti, who was invisible. Didn't I didn't see him for the rest of the game until he was on. They brought on. Bernardeschi and Cristante, and I believe it was some, and Locatelli. Those were the, the four subs so far in the second half. My problem is where where are the strikers? You're bringing on a midfielder and a winger. How are you going to get into the box with a midfielder and a winger? Tell me that, Chris. Explain to me. Get into Mancini's head and help me. Help me explain. Oh, there's no getting into his head because he's more stubborn than, <laughs> than than they come. But the issue for me is this, and like you said, Paulo, everybody and their non nut knew Northern Ireland were going to play with you know ten men behind the ball, maybe eleven. You know, it was eleven at, at some points, and you know we all knew Italy was going to play in a four three three and play a certain way. I think we were talking about this offline. It's just that. Italy is starting to get predictable, kind of like some club teams do, you know, mid-season when, you know, things are going well, they just kind of stick, stick to what's working. There's that saying, you know, don't fix what ain't broke. But uh, the disappointing part for me is not that they had a poor first half. It's that, and it's kind of what you mentioned, Paulo, it's that the changes he made in the second half were not enough to impact the game. So yes, you know, the positions that he brought on were, they weren't the right call. They, they weren't. Even if they won the game, I would still be saying the same thing. And Julian, I think it was you when we were texting, you said, and I agreed 100%, was, I think it was the 75th minute, throw on Raspadori, throw on Skamaka, and see what happens. Because clearly, what they had been doing wasn't working. We all knew Bernadeschi was going to do absolutely nothing. I like <laughs> Cristante, but he's not the player you need when you need to go and get a goal. Um, so yeah, I think Mancini just has to kind of roll the dice a little bit there. I would have rather that I would have supported that decision. I would have been okay with that decision, um, versus sticking to what he has been doing the past, you know, half dozen games or so and it not working. And then here we are. So that, that's my frustration is that he was too stubborn to just try something different and give Northern Ireland, you know, some different reference points because, uh, it was, it was 75 minutes of, of nothing. And then the last 15 minutes, um, the changes weren't significant enough. Okay, so the problem that I have is you should be assuming that Switzerland is going to win the game. Switzerland scored early into the second half. 
what's the point of keeping four, four defenders on the field for the sake of balance? Help me out. Help me out. So can someone can someone explain that to me? I mean, he didn't take Emerson off for Skamaka. I think that was like the last sub. But when was but that? Was in the 85th minute? Yeah. When it was so too I late. I told you guys, yeah, I told, I texted you guys at half and said they need, this false nine isn't working. As you mentioned, they had to play over the top to Barella. They tried a couple times early on, which was on, but once they missed it twice, Ireland knew it was coming. So then that was done. Um, But yeah, like there was just. You guys now understand why I called him a fuck nuke and he hasn't watched on Twitter because <laughs> I literally watched this for years with Inter. Um, but I kind of in his, I don't want to say his, def- actually, no, it's not his defense because he made the squad selection. They needed somebody to come on that was able to break down Ireland through the middle. They had nobody, nobody who was able to come on and kind of be that attacking threat. I don't know if Zaniolo was hurt. I know Pellegrini was hurt, obviously. Um, but you had Gianmarco Ferrari on the bench. Why? I don't know. Like, why not call Castrovilli? Why not call Zaccagni? Why not call somebody who can do something instead of having an extra wide defender? You know what I mean? Like, why didn't Piscina come on? He did well during the Euros. He's a midfielder who can come on and score. Like, it. I don't know. I genuinely, I don't know. It made no sense to me. Those are good points, and it kind of goes back, and I hate to even say his name, but when Ventura was in charge, and that was kind of one of the big knocks on him was that he wasn't putting impactful players on at the right at the right moments, right? And I think that's Mancini's yeah. knock right now. Like, he threw on Bellotti eventually, and yes, Bellotti didn't play well, but in his defense, when he came on, Ireland was dropping even further back, and Italy was just swinging in cross after cross after cross, which... I mean, that was my other thing, too. They, I don't even know how many corners they had in this game, but they had nobody on the pitch to attack the corners. You have, your attackers are Chiesa and Signe Berardi. You have Barella, who doesn't go in. You have Tonali, who's taken the corners. Like, there's nobody to attack the corners. Like, I don't know. It made... Like, I was comparing it to Inter on their corners, who have... Jekyll, Lataro, you have one of Dumfries or Perisic, you have Skriniar, you have DeVry, you have guys who are going to win headers. You have maybe Benucci and Cherby. That was it. Uh, it, it. To me, to me, it, you know, I, got, I, I, I hate saying Benucci's name, but, you know, they, they were saying that, oh, well, you know, uh, we lost that willing, that winning feeling that we had at Euro 2020. Yes. Well, I mean, the the problem with that it was the same thing you know after uh the good performance i thought it was a good performance at year 2016 and, and year 2012 the it, it's just, and, and i i mean link it back to our discussion about syria in general and and its structural problems it's hubris they get mm-hmm. too full of shit and then they start as chris said if if it ain't broke don't fix it uh not not forcing the issue uh you know playing around uh the playing around the ball not not being creative and 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 trying to knock teams down the and it's it's frustrating because you know you have those those flashbacks to 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 ventura tro- uh, throwing on de rossi instead of insigne you know 
and and that's what I saw. That's what that that's the flashbacks that I had when I saw uh, Locatelli and Bernardeschi coming off the bench. Just a, a, a coach that 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 is so f- you know far into his own system that didn't realize. Well, shit, we won. We have a target on our back. We need to mm-hmm. renew the squad. We need to bring in younger players, regardless of the fact that they they have they have their own qualifying campaign for. Uh, the under 21s and we need to throw the rest of Europe off their feet and uh, off balance. Like, like Spain did. Spain had a shit, uh, a shit couple of tournaments brought in players that only uh, Spanish soccer enthusiasts would know. And, and now they, they made the final of the nation's league and they're going to the world cup. And they were pretty hard done in, uh, the Euros, if I say so myself, I think they created more than any other team. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it, again, it, it's 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 the the Italian mentality that will, that will never change. We we as fans outside of Italy, uh, you know, talking about I think it was saw it on Twitter, you know, uh, Italian Americans were more worried about Italy trying to make the World Cup, while Italians were more worried about whether to buy a, pa- a Panettone or a Pandoro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the answer is a Panettone, of course. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the chocolate one, though. <laughs> no, not the raisin one. The raisin one's disgusting. Yeah, the, yes. uh, that yeah. one. Fuck yeah. off. So, <laughs> the, the, there's, there's a problem. I mean, it's, it's not going to change. Yeah, no, I, I, I think these are all great points, but um, I do, I, I think I, we should probably wrap this chat up um, and just conclude that. Uh, it's an unfortunate circumstance that they find themselves in. They find themselves very similarly uh, situated as, I guess, back in 20, what was it, 17 or 2018, whatever, leading up to uh, the World Cup last time around. So uh, just quickly, who can kind of uh, decipher what the next steps are here? What's what's Italy, when, when do Italy know who they're playing? How does that kind of look like for them to actually make this tournament then after all oh, all right i can sum it up in 30 seconds the draw will be november 26th i believe it's a friday okay i believe it's at 10 o'clock eastern time the system will be uh three groups of four each group will play two games and the winner of those two games will make the final will make the world cup finals finals ter- final tournament so there will be three teams coming out of that those 12 uh, playoff teams so if you lose you're out yes there you go yeah so basically you're thrown in tournament it's 1v4 2v3 um, and the winners of those games play each other for one of the spots right and what are the uh, I guess this is just I'm not sure who uh, would have this in front of them I don't know if anyone does but what are the likes of the teams that are involved in this 12 team playoff so I think uh we won't find out the final seedings until tomorrow, until Tuesday. Okay. But so far, the main teams so far are Scotland, uh, Sweden, Turkey, Portugal, Portugal. Those are the ones on the top of my head. I have yeah. There's also Russia and Poland. Well, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Again, it it's re- yeah. 
they have to win. They obviously made it more difficult than they needed to. But what uh, what squad, what Italian squad did not do that in recent memory? <laughs> what, what, yeah. do you, what do you mean, Juventus? No, no, no. In general, no, what Italian national, like Italian national team, team squad? That's just the, their modus operandi. So. I'm not. Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not uh, encouraged or discouraged. This is just par for the course. If they don't make it. It's their own fault, and it's just funny. That's yeah, it. it's funny sad. because it's sad, because they dug funny. their own grave. And and I saw like if you think about it, if they don't make this, when was the last World Cup game that they played? Was what in twenty fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. That's so depressing. And they didn't make it out of the stage. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It was not the one they lost to Costa Rica. Yeah, I think so. And Paraguay, didn't we? <laughs> we had an easy group and couldn't get New out. Ze- was that New Zealand year? Yeah, I think that no, was. No, that Zealand was that was 2010. That was 2010. That was 2010. Okay. Yeah, that was 2010. God. <laughs> <sighs> it's been a rough couple of years. But, it, but the thing, it, it, it didn't have to be. That's my whole point. It didn't have to be. It I know. They be. made him a more bunch of, them, But so. he had a bunch of young players that, that are that are playing well now. But I'm just saying, like, you don't, you know, the the ones that play in Serie B, leave them to the U21s. But the ones that play in Serie A, play them. Just play them. There, yeah. There's, yeah. there's no, there's no, um, there's no downside. In, at least in my eyes, there's no downside. What's the, what's the, what's the, purpose of dying on the cross for Benucci and a Cherby Perry. Silence. That's silence. That's my point. There you go. Let's yeah, move on. Michael, one. move on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we'll we'll see what comes of this. It's uh, again, it's going to be uh, I guess nail biting. Uh, I guess March, right? Yes, March. That's when that's when the t- the games are going to be happening. So. Uh, smarch weather. Smarch weather, exactly. Uh, okay, let's again move on here. So we've talked about uh, the Italy, Italian national team. We talked about what their kind of future looks like in the next couple of months. Um, really, the only other thing that we can chat about that happened this week is uh, also some World Cup qualifying, but a, uh, I guess a domestic, um, on the domestic front. So what, what's going on with uh, Team Canada? So Canada back in their, uh, as you mentioned, Mike, their World Cup qualifiers um, at home. So they were playing in Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium uh, and uh, they were hosting Costa Rica. So just to note, I know some teams in CONCACAF do play on the artificial turf, you know, for various reasons. Um, That was the case there at Edmonton. That's the home of the, not the Eskimos, the Elks, excuse me, at the CFL. Um, so it was it was a choppy game, and I do have to add, just watching this game, it just it felt wrong still seeing the football lines on the field, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe I'm spoiled. Maybe I don't know. That that's just my take on. It. I think it takes away from 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 the moment, I guess, having to see that on the field, um, especially when you know we're used to seeing you know the pristine pitches that we see you know and a lot of the European leagues, Champions League and whatnot. So anyways, pitch looked like crap. Um, you could tell the players uh, didn't really adjust early on to the turf. The ball obviously moves quicker than it would on, you know, natural grass. Uh, to be fair, it didn't look like either either country settled in. Uh, so it was a very choppy game for me. Um, it was the Ottawa-born, or not Ottawa-born. I think he's born in 
Brooklyn, actually. Maybe fact check on yeah, it. Yeah, he is. I yeah, from he Ottawa. Played played all of his club soccer in Ottawa. Jonathan David, uh, he scored in the 57th minute to make it 1-0 Canada. And that was the only goal of the match. So uh, important three points for Canada. And they play again in Edmonton on Tuesday uh, against Mexico. So they host Mexico, and I believe it's a 9 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Um, so I said last episode that if they could come away from this round of international matches with four points. That's a, a successful trip. So uh, one point three. to more. Yeah, one point tomorrow is is nice. Three would be, like I said, fantastic um, for obvious reasons. So yeah, uh, Chris, just to follow up, that win against Costa Rica is fundamental because Panama came back and beat Honduras, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. I think it was two 0 Honduras at one point, mm-hmm. and uh, Costa or uh, Panama Thank came you. back. 3-2 final, right? Yeah, so the, the top four is very tight. It's uh, USA now in first, Mexico just behind, Canada in third, and Panama in fourth. And I think they're all a point away from each other. So very tight at the top, and then there's a, a drop-off going into fifth. But still, you know, I think five games to be played, so a lot of movement still uh, still possible. Uh, and then uh, the game to be played on Tuesday, uh, there was a video out uh, today, recorded on Monday, uh, of you know Commonwealth Stadium uh, covered in snow because See. the weather in Edmonton uh, is going to be below zero at kickoff and most likely will be a, a snow covered field depending on how they take care of the of the of the artificial turf. In my opinion, they won't because I think that gives uh, the home team um, the advantage. That's the idea, right? Is that it mm-hmm. would give them the yeah. advantage? Yes. It's uh yeah, I kinda had a laugh when I saw the Costa Rica coach who was bundled up in a big frozen Yeah, big sweater <laughs> with like a scarf and a hat on and just looked completely miserable the whole time. <laughs> oh god. Uh also Michael, we uh we posted an article uh discussing uh John Herbin's impact. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you just again talk through I guess what uh what we wrote there. So, I mean, you know, I, I remember when they hired Benito Flores and, and, you know, me and Chris, we've had multiple discussions over the years about this. And, you know, at least I thought, well, the, the, the road to success will be to bring in a manager who had, you know, success on the European stage and, and, know, and knows how to win. Uh, you know, Benito Floro had, you know, won a title with Real Madrid, you know, had some decent success but you know wasn't enough to uh, to go on to the next to the next stage which is you know world cup qualification bring in john herman you know uh, won uh, a medal with canada uh, i believe twice right chris on the women's side yes I, I think it was twice definitely a bronze medal yeah so two bronze yeah. i think it's two bronze and uh and, and created this you can even see it in, in, in the women's on the women's side in the women's game uh, you know, created this team aspect, this team culture within within uh, the squad, and all the players love him. They all want to play for him, and it, it was a gamble. Uh, you know, he didn't have any uh, initial experience with with the men's side and, and and coaching at the international level. But as Chris pointed out in the article, you know, on, on his first day, he he noticed that there were some uh, clicks. There were some, you know brawls going going on in training camp he put an end to all that and and what i found impressive doing the research uh, for the article is that he took the same kind of theories 
that he brought in brought into the women's team and applied them to to the men's team, and they and and you see that and you're seeing the same effect. You're seeing the same uh, willingness to play for the manager, willingness to to build as as a as a team, and you know as a fan, also to see what essentially what he created, what he built on the women's side, and that culmination with the gold medal. Maybe he's onto something, and uh, you know this is the first time. I want to say in, in my life that I've that I've been excited about the Canadians men uh, soccer program. Chris, yeah, I think Paulo summarized that pretty well. I, I would, I would add. I think you know, obviously, there's a lot of people involved in this process, but since Herdman's taken over, we've seen you know a few players who have you know pledged to say you know yes I want to play for Canada when they could have gone on to play for for other countries you know the mo- most recently it's uh, Ike Upo uh, who plays in Belgium uh, he was eligible I believe it was for England and Nigeria uh, you know he's selected uh, you know to play for Canada uh, Steven Ustakio I, I believe it was uh, between Portugal and Canada at the time and I- I'm sure there's another handful that that I'm forgetting those are just a few at the top of my head but obviously you know he's able to convince these these players to to play for Canada and have them believe in what he's trying to build so I think that speaks volumes and yeah obviously the results speak for themselves and and of course it doesn't hurt when to have you know players like Alfonso Davies and like Jonathan David I, I think it is important to know because you know previous managers didn't have that luxury but that being said I, I think I still think he's uh using the talent um to their to their potential. Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, astutely noted again what uh, his impact has been. I think it's it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting again if they can see this through and, and they can make it to the World Cup. It's going to be uh, a very a very shining, I guess. Uh, brightly shining moment, I think for the, obviously for the Canadian national team, because, you know, they, there was, what is it in 2026 is when yep. the, they have the shared bid, right? So mm-hmm. it's almost like an advance of that. They're, they're not saying that, you know, we're there because, you know, just because of a formality of, you know, we're hosting. So we get some joint, you know, reciprocal benefits from that. They've, they've earned their spot effectively trying to, at least for this world cup. And, you know, despite, uh, some le- very, very lean years in the past, it looks like, again, they have some very uh, top-end talent, right? Like, the, you see Davies, you see David, and then you have a manager who's able to kind of pull the best out of those players, and that's what you want, right? You know, full disclosure here, you know, when the, the, the selection of the joint bid between Canada and Mexico and the United States came out, and, you know, I was like, okay, well... This is the opportunity, as my as you said, Michael, to to play in a World Cup, and 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 to and to, and to give people in Canada saying, "Oh, look, we're we're going to be playing in the World Cup. Everyone should get excited." Yeah, you know, I, I personally for this 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 World Cup, I thought it was just going to be well, okay, it's going to be like every other World Cup cycle. Uh, Canada's going to be in and into into the last uh, month. And then they lose away to Honduras, so they lose away to Panama, and there goes the the, the, the dream of the bid to to make a World Cup on on merit, not just because you're going to be the host. So if they do it, you know, on merit, then all credit to them. I obviously, as Chris pointed out, you have 
two world class players, um, and and to me that's the 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 biggest plus plus Herdman's managerial style the biggest uh, positive for this team and and hopefully uh, after you know ten years of of the women's game being the banner uh, mm-hmm. in this country, it's about time that the men's program steps up and shows what they have been developing for the past three years, four years. Yep. Uh, okay. Anything else to add to that guys? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I've always been a skeptical, as I said, and uh, I'm excited to see what they can do against Mexico on, uh, on Chusa. Yeah, I'm agreed. Okay, well, uh, I guess with that, it's really the podcast, guys. I don't know that we have much else to get into. We uh, tried to just do uh, uh, no breaks because we wanted to get through everything, just kind of, you know, make it a, a streamlined episode. It's still going to be an hour plus, but uh, that, <laughs> that's just uh, that's <laughs> the way that we roll, obviously. Um, yeah, again, anything uh, before we wrap up here? Oh, uh, Pascara Couch update. Uh, there was a Abruzzese derby between Pescara and Teramo, and it won one. Good. So I think Pescara is still about 10, uh, 10 to 12 points out from first place, I believe. Good. Well, they will probably stay there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Julian, anything? No. Any notes? Uh, let's go for uh, a Forza Inter. Hopefully they pull out a win against the top seven team finally. <laughs> and a Forza Canada? Of yeah, course. for sure. For sure. There we go. Chris, anything else? No, like you said, Forza Canada should be a good game. Uh, when they played at Mexico, it drew, well, it was 1 1. Mm-hmm. Great match, entertaining. So we'll see how the, the conditions affect tomorrow's match or yeah. today's match, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday's match. Okay. Well, uh, great. So obviously, that's uh, obviously if you're listening to this on Tuesday, then you have that to look forward to. Um, beyond that, uh, we're getting back into match day 13 into the weekend. So, uh, look out for the, uh, Ibra eats league to return. Um, hopefully Ibra eats, uh, I guess Chris's, uh, desire this weekend. Is that correct? Indeed. Yeah. Is he, is he back? Is he, he's not uh, injured? Uh, he didn't play. If he played with Sweden, he didn't play much. So uh, he should be healthy. Yeah. Good. Okay, well, again, thanks, everybody. Uh, make sure that you're following us on our Twitter and our, on our Instagram, the same handle. It's at RTW Calcio. Um, and, yeah, take a quick uh, read on, uh, uh, on our uh, post that we just posted up. It, again, you can access it on our Twitter, uh, but it's a very good uh, and, and exciting read from uh, written by Paulo, Chris, uh, with, with a little bit of, uh, I guess, some modifications by myself, but not much. To be honest, you guys are really the brains behind that. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's have a good week, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Okay, bye.